When Jesus is born, King Herod comes to believe that a child will be born who will usurp his throne and consequently engages in a genocidal campaign to wipe out all newborn Jewish children, Jesus included. And so his family, rather than returning to Nazareth, goes into hiding in Egypt, far from home. Maybe it's true what they say, that you really never can go home again. But in a sense, maybe home isn't as far away as it seems. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to go home. When you have young children, you hear this a lot. Trips to the grocery store, just about any other errand, will elicit this response. Any car ride longer than 45 minutes will usually do the trick as well. And don't even get me started on family outings. Trips to the local pumpkin patch, horse farm, museum, library, flea market, petting zoo, nature preserve, or holiday festival usually all end the same way. When my wife and I took our kids to an apple orchard last year, my older son, Ethan, declared, Orchard? More like torture. I'm glad, you know, that my kids appreciate being home and that they feel safe and happy there, but it would be nice to get out of the house once in a while with a little less drama. At the end of the day, though, I can hardly blame them. I mean, even adults, you and I, for the most part, don't like being away from home for too long. I can remember being in Uganda back in 2007, where I spent two weeks with another church member touring various schools and orphanages that he had helped to establish out there. And it was, by all measures, a remarkable experience. I'd never left the country before, and this place was so radically different, I might as well have been on another planet. Lush, natural beauty, exuberant hospitality, and rich cultural traditions, the likes of which I had never seen, at least not up close and in person. But in truth, I was young and immature, and frankly, the culture shock hit me pretty hard. Talk about being out of your comfort zone. You know, as an introverted and inexperienced kid, I was ripped out of my comfort zone and dropped on the other side of the earth. And I was so focused on my discomfort in the day-to-day -day that it made it hard to appreciate this 
amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. If I'm being honest, after a few days, I just wanted to go home. One memory is especially vivid. I'm climbing a hill in the small village of Kashanji on the Congolese border. I'm holding my flip phone up in the air, trying to get a signal so I can call my girlfriend, Angela, desperate to hear a familiar voice. The view from up here is transcendent, but my attention is fixed and focused on this phone, my one and only connection to the place I came from. Squinting as I try to listen to her voice amidst the static of a bad connection. At the end of the two weeks, I find myself sitting in a small internet cafe in Kampala, the capital city, trying to print airline tickets for the trip home on a 56K dial-up modem. I watch the screen impatiently as the website slowly loads a few agonizing pixels at a time, informing me that my flight has been delayed another day. It's hard to be so close to home, only to be told that you're going to have to wait a while longer. I lay in bed that night with my portable CD player, listening to Pink Floyd's The Wall. I want to go home. Roger Waters howls. I want to go home, take off this uniform, and leave the show. Now, Mary and Joseph had not seen their home in Nazareth for well over a week. Forced to embark on this sojourn to Bethlehem for the Roman census, a hard and miserable journey for a woman who was nine months pregnant, she then had to give birth in the most wretched conditions. Now, when my kids were born, we got to spend three days at the hospital with catered meals and warm blankets while my wife recuperated. Now, for me at least, having not just had another human being removed from my body, it was like a vacation. <laughs> I mean, it was great. You know, I had it, no idea what was waiting for me when I got home, when the nurses, you know, weren't there to take the, the kids every night. But not so for Joseph, and certainly not for Mary, who had no place to rest or recover before making the return journey to Nazareth another week astride a donkey on some rugged highway, this time with a crying infant in her arms. But even so, I'm sure they were glad to be going home. And so imagine their horror when they learned that the king of Judea, Herod, a paranoid megalomaniac, had gotten it into his adult brain that little Jesus was going to usurp the throne and begun systematically murdering newborn children in the region. I mean, it's like learning that the president has decided to personally come after you with all of the powers of the state arrayed against you. The last thing you'd want to do is go back to your house where danger is likely waiting. So Mary and Joseph did the only thing they could. They fled to the nearest country beyond Herod's reach, which happened to be Egypt, about 80 miles away. Now, while there were Jewish communities in Egypt, Mary and Joseph were still refugees. They had little to their name beyond what they could carry. And so when they to were told that they stayed in Egypt until the death of Herod, about three and a half years later, it's not like they bought a house and settled down. They were essentially homeless drifters, 
According to the Coptic Orthodox tradition, they spent those three years wandering from one place to another while trying to raise Jesus. They were itinerant, settling for a few days or weeks at a time in different settlements while Joseph probably did some odd jobs to support his family. The Coptic Church has since established a pilgrimage route that follows in their footsteps, which amounts to over 2,100 miles, the largest pilgrimage journey in any single country. The story of the Holy Family, in essence, is the Gilligan's Island of antiquity. Talk about a three-hour tour. Imagine leaving home for a couple weeks and not being able to go back for three and a half years. Imagine that frustration. Imagine that desperate desire to go home, to sleep in your own bed, to be with the people you love. Now, you and I, we aren't literally refugees. Those people have endured more than any of us can really imagine. And I think we need to make room for them in our country, no matter what it takes. But in a metaphorical sense, we are all refugees from our own past, the places we came from, the world we used to know. This is especially true nowadays when the world has changed so drastically in such a short amount of time. We're all a little bit displaced, a little homesick in our own way. We want to go back to how things used to be. We want to go home. Back in the early 90s, I was, uh, I was a big fan of the television show Quantum Leap. Now, maybe you've seen it. It was about a quantum physicist named Sam Beckett who discovers a way to travel through time and inhabit the bodies of folks throughout time for a while. The premise is that there's something in these people's lives that needs to be fixed, some wrong that needs to be made right, a timeline that needs to be corrected. And so inhabiting them for a while, he tries to live their life and, uh, and right you know, this wrong before he can leap to another soul. And so, the narrator informs us during the opening credits, which had a great theme song, by the way, Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. The series came to an abrupt end in 1993, and fans were outraged by the ending. Sam leaps into a bar in a small Pennsylvania mining town in 1953 where he encounters an enigmatic bartender who tells Sam that he can go home anytime he wants to, but first, he has to recognize that it's his own free will that keeps him from doing so. Now, aside from the fact that the final episode was a ponderous exercise in existential philosophy that raised more questions than it could answer, it ended with a melancholy title card that simply read, Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. Now, for most folks, it was a deeply unsatisfying coda for a character they'd grown to love over the years. And to make matters worse, adding insult to injury, they misspelled his name. <laughs> for my part, though, even as a 13-year-old kid, I thought the ending rang true. We can't 
really go home again, not in the way that we'd like to. But then maybe home isn't always the place we came from, or even the place we're going to end up, the place where we're going, but rather where we find ourselves right now. Much like Mary and Joseph, perhaps we are called to find and build a home wherever we are. When I left home 16 years ago to move out here to the Midwest from Connecticut, I honestly did not think I would be gone this long. I figured I'd come out here to serve this church as an associate pastor for five or six years, as many pastors do, and then head back out east to find another church. But I had no idea what was waiting for me out here. And I found a few things that I didn't expect. I found a woman that I fell in love with and married. I found two amazing boys that call me dad. Saying that out loud, I realize it's an odd way to put it. I mean, I didn't like find him at the park. You know. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And I found a church. I found a church that is really special and a congregation that welcomed and embraced me as one of your own in a way that no other community ever had. I found a home out here. It hasn't always been easy, raising two kids, trying to lead a church through a pandemic, laboring under the weight of all the world's problems. It's easy to get lost in my personal discomfort sometimes, to wish I could be someone else, like Sam Beckett, leaping into another life. And like Sam, I may never return home. I may never get back to where I came from. And even if I do, it won't be the same. We can't travel through time. And even if we could, no one would be there because they've moved on. The theologian Kierkegaard wrote, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And as Mike Brady of the Brady Bunch once said, wherever you go, that's where you are. <laughs> or maybe it was Confucius, I don't know. But the, the point stands. Maybe wherever you are is home. Jesus was a refugee, not only because he had to spend his early years in another country, but because he was not of this earth. His true home, like ours, awaits in another place, in another time. In a sense, like Jesus' family, we are all just passing through here on earth, in Egypt, strangers in a strange land. But until we get there, may we find a home here, where we are, in between then and now, wherever we are. Let us make room in our hearts and our lives, in our church and in our world, that others might find a home here, too. Amen.